Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Do please take your seats as Carol comes to speak to us. Just pray before I start. Breathe us and on us again, Holy Spirit. Inspire our hearts and our words. And change us to be ever more like Jesus. Amen. So, I've been hearing rumours. And the rumours are that this is irrelevant. It's nothing to do with real life. These Christians are just a bunch of really very over-optimistic people who want to see good in everything. That actually it was a document written by some really very hopeful people after Jesus had died. And it's of no use to us today. I also hear a rumour that the Church of England and Christianity is only one generation away from oblivion. But as you won't be surprised to hear, I don't believe a word of that. I think what we have in our readings today are full of the nitty-gritty of life. It's about relationship. It's about communication. It's about crisis. It's all about human reality. I have something to show you. Anybody know what this is? It's a wheel clamp. Because Matthew, as we know from our reading, was a tax collector. Now, I happen to think, just at the moment, that tax collectors are rather wonderful people because they've given me quite a big rebate, which was very nice of them. So, if we want to translate that into today's world, maybe we need to think wheel clampers as as how people thought of Matthew. If there are any wheel campers with us, you're very welcome, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be personal. I've never been wheel camped, so I can be quite benevolent about wheel campers. Which brings us to the story we had read earlier from Matthew's Gospel. Oh, sorry, yes, from Matthew's Gospel. Um, it's on page 973 of your Bibles, or on page 6 of your service sheets. 
the time of Jesus, when he was calling Matthew, the Jewish faith was kept by a minority who believed God was with them. Sometimes they were seen as fanatics, holding on to a faith that was irrelevant, long past its sell-by date. Perhaps it was as much about holding on to the Jewish ethnic identity and culture as holding on to the faith. Many felt that in order to survive, they needed to integrate better with the Roman society they were in. Perhaps they thought they could adapt and integrate a belief in God who didn't interfere too much in daily life, a watered-down version of the Holy Scriptures. After all, maybe they too worried that within a generation, their faith would be consigned to the history books as a quirky, sweet, but irrelevant idea. Maybe Matthew was viewed as one of the hypocrites by people looking at him. He was keeping his Jewish identity. He'd probably been brought up very much in the Jewish faith. But as a tax collector, he would have been seen as greedy, probably corrupt, someone who was certainly open to taking bribes. Maybe people pointed to him as embodying how the Jewish faith had sold out to the Romans. Maybe Matthew believed that as an ethnic Jew, he would be loved and cared for by God without much participation or commitment on his part. So let's have a close look at how this story unwinds. As you read it, it's all so simple, isn't it? In one simple verse, where am I? Yeah, verse 9. As, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew got up and followed him, just like that. I think that's worth unpacking a little. Before we go on, I think... There's something a lot more going on here. It says, he saw a a man named Matthew. So that was Jesus saw Matthew. What was it that he saw? Did he see a successful businessman? Did he see someone whose arrogance and persona just gave off his, his confidence or overconfidence? Did he see someone happy and content? Or did he see someone who was neither accepted by his fellow Jews or by the Romans that he was collecting taxes for? He was certainly someone you didn't invite to dinner, nor, indeed, would you invite yourself round to theirs for dinner. Perhaps he saw a Roman collaborator, or even someone who was feared, Perhaps someone to avoid in case they cause trouble or upset the status quo. Perhaps he saw someone who felt his faith had let him down somewhat. He felt God was no longer important. He felt God no longer had something to say to him. Perhaps he saw someone who was searching, wondering what the point was. 
Whatever it was Jesus saw in Matthew, he called him. And we're told very simply that Matthew got up and followed him. I find that quite startling, don't you? He just got up. There seems to be no hesitation, no what-ifs, no I'll just go and lock my car or I'll just go and get my bedding from my house. There was absolutely no looking back. He simply got up and followed Jesus as if it was the most natural thing in the world to be doing. Let's think about this for a minute. There was Matthew in his tax collector's booth and this complete stranger comes up to him and calls him. Would I go? Would you? I'm not sure. Perhaps Matthew has got to the point where he recognised that he wanted or needed to change. Perhaps Matthew recognised when Jesus was calling him that this was going to be one adventure he really did not want to miss. Whatever it was, he felt confident enough to invite Jesus to dinner. Now, often today, we regard our society as so much more sophisticated, certainly, than it was at the time of Jesus. But I'm not at all convinced of that. Roman politics was complex. Israel was an occupied country. The ethnic minorities who were present were regarded with suspicion. There were employees and employers. Commerce was well established. There were those whose life was relatively easy, and there were those who struggled. There were religious fanatics, mystics, and there were those who remembered God only at the birth of a child, or wondered where God was when a close friend died. They were teachers, and there were students. There were definitely powerful people who would be welcome anywhere, and there were those on the fringes of society who were regarded with suspicion and would not be welcome. Certainly Matthew's circle of friends was described as fellow tax collectors and sinners, people who would not have been welcome in polite society, perhaps regarded the same way as you would a group of prisoners or drug addicts. Or the refugees we see pictures of getting increasingly frustrated as borders are closed to them. And it is to this group of friends that Matthew invites Jesus. So that's maybe like inviting the Archbishop of Canterbury to go and have dinner with your friends in a brothel. But amazingly, Jesus goes. I noticed that about Jesus. He comes if he's invited. I wonder, have you ever tried inviting Jesus to spend quality time with you? So why on earth would Jesus go? Surely he needed to be making a name for himself, to be seen in the right synagogues with the right people. After all, he was God's son. He had important work to be doing and spending a whole evening with these people who apparently were never going to change the world must have been a waste of his time. 
But that's the point, isn't it? That's the point that was so often missed by the Roman authorities and Pharisees. And it's so often missed today. Jesus didn't come to be with those who thought they had life sussed. He came to be with those who knew they'd taken some wrong turns, got things a little wrong, messed up relationships, misjudged priorities. He came to be with people just like Matthew and his friends. People just like me and you. Actually, God has always wanted relationship with those who will admit their struggles. You only have to look at the people he chose to lead. People like Jonah, who would rather run away than go where God asked him to, and who got so jealous he wanted God to destroy a whole city. People like David, an adulterer. People like Moses, a murderer, who said to God, Here I am, sent my brother. The problem is, we all think we know better than God. We think we understand God. We think he must want the brightest, the best, the most influential, the successful. But strangely, the people who hear God most are people like Matthew, who invite Jesus into their homes and to their lives. They usually the people who've messed things up and know their need, the tax collectors, the wheel clampers. God works with us, whoever we are, and whatever our history, people like me and you. And unbelievably, we are the people who are given the commission of changing the world. There's an almost comical moment near the end. which It just seems quite funny to me. It's verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, i.e. where Jesus had gone to dinner, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's a playground politics going on here. You can just imagine it, can't you? The new teacher has come to town. He's already got a bit of a name for himself. I suspect the Pharisees thought really they should be the first port of call. Maybe they thought this new teacher would need to get their stamp of approval and would be courting their favour. They're clearly totally baffled when Jesus instead chooses to spend his time with tax collectors and sinners It's so human. It's a bit like the most popular people at school who assumed that they had the right to decide who was in in the in-group and who was in the out-group. And we make judgments all the time. Those that have got things worked out. The people for whom it all seems to fall into place. Perhaps we assume that God could not be interested in us. Maybe we used to go to church, and then life got busy. Or maybe we looked at our fellow churchgoers and didn't like them much. Maybe we thought they were hypocrites. We saw them struggling to align their lives and their faith, and decided that it wasn't a place we wanted to be. 
But if you look again at the passage, Jesus' reply to the Pharisees is simply amazing. Verse 12. Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for each and every one of us, whatever our background, whatever our race, marital status, or history is. He's calling all of us to follow him. Perhaps, like Matthew, it's time to invite him in. And if you're wondering how to do that, or if you still have questions, or if you want to invite Jesus into your life, but it just seems a bit too embarrassing or too difficult or too risky, we are running, as Fred and Pads have already said, an alpha course at the end of this month. And as Fred so eloquently said, you don't have to come for the whole course. Come for one, see how you get on. If you want to come, please talk to Pads or I at the end of the service. And if you'd like to pray with someone and invite Jesus into your life, perhaps invite him home for dinner, there's a, there will be prayer ministry team waiting to pray with you after the service. Just, if you just come to the front, it'll be obvious who they are. And so what do we think? Is this a dusty old book that should be in the shelves, taken out every now and then, dusted down, made to look pretty, and put back? Is it just a book for those who need a crutch in life, who can't quite face life by themselves? Or is it the living word of God that has the power to be brought alive by Jesus and to us today? You decide.